Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. I feel like I have this really good understanding from both this instinctual level as a mom and from a research-based level that I truly know that my kids are better off with less stuff And I never question that for a second. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 157. Today, we're talking about how to simplify in the family with Danae Barjona. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. When you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans. I'm on my final edits. Oh my gosh. I'm almost there. This is amazing. So if you've been following along on the journey of writing the book, I'm almost there. Editing is not that fun. though. (laughs) So welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here in your ears. And I'm so grateful for you. This has been been amazing connecting with listeners just had a got on the phone with a listener today who's come into Costa Rica and it was so fun. So shout out to you Tiama. Anyway, I'm so excited for this episode and I know you're going to love it. If you feel like your stuff and your clutter is stressing you out, 
Well, you're right. It is. It actually takes a toll on our mental health and on our parenting. And today's guest, Danae Barahona of Simple Families, she's going to help you start to get a handle on this clutter. You'll get to hear how she got rid of 90% of her closet. Ah, jaw-dropping, right? I hope this really inspires you. And I want you to Join me at the table and listen for this conversation where we talk about how research really shows that it causes stress and anxiety. And you'll get to hear the question to ask to know whether something should stay or whether it should go. Really valuable. And you're going to listen for how overwhelm and too much stuff it impacts our parenting for the worse, unfortunately. So I know you're going to love this conversation. Danae is so cool. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that I'm having a fun thing happening here in the part of the Simplify series. I am taking the Your Color Guru's Colorful Capsule Wardrobe course, and this is all about simplifying your wardrobe, finding some personal style, like we mamas need some style. I think we need some style. Finding your colors that make you feel amazing. I've done this. You listened to the last episode about simplifying in a colorful way, number 156, you'll hear my story about how I got my colors and it, it really makes a huge difference. So anyway, if you're interested in that, check that out at mindfulmamamentor.com slash color. Now join me at the table as I talk to Danae about simplifying. Danae, thanks for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. And I pronounce your name right. <laughs> Danae's an unusual name. Where did your parents come up with Danae? So it's actually Greek. Danae was the mother of Perseus. Oh. Um, but I'm not Greek. It was just a name that my mom always really liked. And it's spelled different in Greek mythology. It's totally different. But yeah, it's really unique. But I always tell people it's kind of like Rene, but with a D. It's pronounced the same, and that usually helps yeah. people remember it a little bit better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like my daughter's name is Sora, and we always say like Nora with an S. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then people get it, and they never forget oh, it. Okay, got it, got it. So I'm so glad to have you on. This is part of the Simplify series, and we're going to talk about wonderful benefits of simplifying. But I want to know, like, was simplifying always something that was like natural to you, or did you have like a chaotic, messy period in your life? before you were into simplifying. And a chaotic, messy period, yes, about the first 30 years of my life, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not someone who naturally gravitated towards simple living by any means. I mean, I was that kid. When I think back to my childhood, one of the things that stands out the most is how often my mom asked me to clean my room. And that was it was just this ongoing battle all throughout my childhood and my teenage years. And then even when I went away to college and I had a roommate and my poor roommate who lived with me all through college, like she had to put up with my clutter and my mess and then into my marriage and my husband had to put up with it. And it wasn't until I became a mom that I was like, yeah, I got to get this, got to get this under control. I, you know, I had like the lots of 
posters, lots of stuff, like desk with all kinds of things on it and like gathering. I think that's like a natural human tendency, right, is to want to gather. Our evolutionary forces don't kind of aim us towards decluttering. They aim us towards gathering. I feel like that in some ways is more normal. I don't know. What do you think? I absolutely agree. I think that the tendency to hold on to things in case you might need them someday, I think that is probably driven from the way that we've evolved as humans to have to protect ourselves in case of future future troubles or future times of going without. Like, I definitely agree with you. I think that's probably a natural human tendency. And if we don't have direction to move away from that, then we'll probably just continue on with that for most of our lives. Yeah. So what got you started on simplifying? So it was sort of twofold and it's a little bit hazy around which came first because they kind of both came at the same time. But when my son was born, he I put him into a play group. I was mostly a stay-at-home mom. I was finishing my PhD and we signed up for our playgroup across the street at a local Montessori school. I didn't know anything about Montessori, despite the fact that I was doing my PhD in child development. Um, I just thought, I was like, yep, this is a pretty cheap playgroup. Let's do this. So I went, my husband actually went the first week and was just completely entranced by the simplicity of it and the quiet and the calmness of it. I just felt when I went, I was like, oh, wow, like this is kind of boring. (laughs) But I I quickly changed my line of thinking because I saw how calm and how engaged the kids were there and how calm and engaged I felt when I was there. And it was really sort of my first taste of simplicity and first taste of feeling that white space of not really having anything specific to do or anything specific that... I needed to attend to. And it was just kind of this space that I could be with my baby, just he and I being present with each other. And it was kind of magical. So that was, I would say the first part. And then around that time, just a few months after I started into that, I have a friend that recommended a fashion blog to me. And I think I had said to her, she was a new mom too. And she came over, she brought her baby over for a play date. And I made a comment along the lines of, how do you always look so cute? Like you always look so good together. (laughs) And I was definitely in the yoga clothes phase of my life where every day I put on the same yoga pants and yoga top and never actually went to yoga. I, so I asked her, you know, I was like, what do you do? And she's like, well, I follow this blogger named Unfancy, who is Caroline Rector, who still blogs today. And she has an amazing blog on simplifying wardrobes. And I was not someone that would have ever went to a fashion blog, but I was like, you know, what the heck, I'll check it out. And that's where I originally learned about the capsule wardrobe. She was one of the first people, she and Courtney Carver from Be More With Less, were some of the first people who were really talking about capsule wardrobes and simplifying and slimming down what you have in your closet. And I started on my closet and then I moved into my kids' toys and I was absolutely hooked. Just, I mean, I think once you get that first taste of how it feels to live lighter, you just, there's no looking back at that point. Oh, yeah. I think I used to see Unfancy and Courtney Carver. She's been on the podcast. I can't remember what episode. Sorry, dear listener, but you can find Courtney Carver's episode and where she talks about that. But that's wonderful. We have a Montessori school and I'm very involved in Montessori in my community. And, and that whole idea of like 
having only out what they can put back and that accessibility of it. It's so weird, isn't it? To like go into a monastery classroom and there's all these like two and three and four year olds or whatever, you know, but sometimes it's a little loud, but there's this like quiet hum of activity where some kids are talking and they're all just kind of working on their own thing. I love it. It's so cool to see that. It's You don't expect it coming from like everywhere else in the world. <laughs> Right. And around that time when I was doing my PhD and I had my son in this class, my doctoral research is in child wellness, specifically mm. feeding young children. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to learn more about Montessori and more about the concepts. And I went and did some observations of lunchtime in the Montessori classroom. And I was blown away by the fact that these toddlers could sit and have this I won't even call it a civilized meal because it's probably more civilized than what dinner looks like on our house on a daily basis. (laughs) But I mean, it was amazing how they could really sit together and spend time and be present together and function as a community. Like it was just really incredible to me. Yeah, it's so cool. I remember something's different here. That teacher, shout out to Holly Knox. I love you so much. She crouched down to my Maggie like so, and holds out her hand and looks her in the eye and says, you know, reaching to shake hands. Hello. Welcome. Good morning. I mean, just so amazing. This whole idea of the prepared environment. And so this sounds like this kind of environment was turning you on to like what's going on in my environment in the home and then the unfancy blog. I think clothes are such a great place to start. I mean, I really feel really similarly. I started with like my kids. I got really inspired by simplicity parenting. And then, wow, when you clear out your closet, it's like so freeing. Oh my gosh. So with unfancy and Courtney Carver, you decided you got inspired to clear out your closet? Yeah, I bagged up, I would say 90 to 95% of everything in my overstuffed closet. Closet and <laughs> I have some before and after pictures, and I can I'll send you the links. So you oh, can that's so fun! It's, it's pretty <laughs> incredible the starting point and the outcome. And so I bagged it up in not just regular garbage bags, but like those big la- black landscaping bags. And I think I had two full, and I put them out on my front porch and I posted in my local mom's group. I'm getting rid of my whole wardrobe. It's I'm putting it out by the road. Come and get it, whoever wants it. And it's funny because I kind of felt like, I mean, the old me would have said like, wow, I'm like giving away this for free, this amazing bunch of clothes that I invested a whole lot of money in. Hmm. I felt like, oh, number one, I felt like I had to get rid of it. Like it had to go immediately. Like I did not want to look at those bags or those clothes a minute longer. I just felt like this fire under me. I was like, get it out of here. Let it go. Like we're starting fresh. And I didn't have the time and patience to pick through it and to consign it. And I feel like there is definitely a privilege in that, in the sense that I was able to spend money on that stuff and let it go. But I also really viewed it as a lesson that I felt like when I was putting that stuff out by the road, giving it away, I was literally throwing away money. Mm. And I have never forgot that image in my mind of how I acquired all of those things so thoughtlessly. I call it drive-bys in Target where I'm just throwing stuff in the cart, like finding stuff on the clearance racks, that TJ Maxx. And, you know, that stuff, it was acquired thoughtlessly. It ended up in this huge bag, basically not being thrown away, but it was given away. It was so wasteful that I've never gone back and never changed the way that I've been buying because I have that visual reminder in my head of when I'm accumulating things thoughtlessly, this is how it ends up. And this is what I create. And while I do regret having to get rid of being wasteful on that occasion, I do think it's just, I think it's changed me 
for the future and has really helped me do life differently. And like I said, never going back for sure. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's like all our challenges, our strongest, best way we learn our lessons. Like, Unfortunately, we can't just like spotlessly arrive at perfection without any challenges. It's like, you know, there's no perfection, but there's challenges. Those are really our teachers. You're saying like, this is a lesson. These bags of clothes are like teaching you something that's really ingrained in your body. So you simplified your own clothes. Did you have moments after that where you're like, oh, Rat, what did I do? I have nothing. Nope, never <laughs> I never once have regretted getting rid of anything. And it's funny that, like, I just, I thought, I was like, oh, maybe I'll look back and, like, wish I had that green dress or those yellow pants or something. Like that. No, like, never once have I ever looked back at and felt like I was missing out on something. I, I did buy some new clothes very, very intentionally. I still, now it's been. Gosh, that was March of 2015. So I guess it's been four years since that time. Um, and I have bought, I bought new clothes at that point. I still have a lot of those clothes that I integrated into my wardrobe very thoughtfully. And I still buy clothes. And I think that that's sort of a misnomer that some people have that like you never buy clothes again. I'm definitely still acquiring things, but slowly and thoughtfully and intentionally. And my closet is still pretty much empty. And I really love it that way. Wow. Wow. And so what does that do for you? What are the benefits for that? 
So I find it so much easier to get dressed. Like I go to my closet and I know everything fits me. I know that I love everything and most of it's really versatile. I can dress it up, dress it down. I don't really get dressed up that often. When I do, I really like to use Rent the Runway if I have like a wedding or some kind of big event to go to. But it just, it feels so much lighter. I feel like I spent so many years digging through a pile of 25 pairs of jeans to find the one pair of jeans that I wore. And, you know, and I'm done with that. Like I'm done digging. So much of our lives, I feel like we spend digging through stuff and it starts to take away. And I had actually had someone on my podcast that made this comparison a few months ago. And she said, you know, I was spending so much time looking for my keys every day. And I realized that the chaos and so much stuff that I had in my house was keeping me from being able to organize and to know where my keys were. But not only was I dealing with the frustration of losing my keys and having to find them and running late because I couldn't find my keys, but then I was yelling at my kids because I was frustrated that I couldn't find my keys. And I feel like that sort of connection is something that I didn't make make that connection right away, the connection between the overwhelm of the stuff and the impact that it had on my mood and on my parenting. But it's such a real, real thing in our life that the stuff doesn't come without emotional baggage as well as physical baggage and that it does take a toll on us, the management of it and just the daily dealings with the stuff. Yeah, yeah. And if we're overwhelmed by all this stuff, it does really shift the way you start to look at things. So you went from your closet to your your whole house to your kids and everything, it sounds like. Was your husband like, what is going on? <laughs> so my husband is kind of a natural minimalist. So he was super excited about it. Um, and he did his own stuff. He still to this day probably has like four times as many clothes as I do. But he also is really good about keeping his things tidy. So it's not really a big deal to him. And it's not a big deal to me because it all fits within his closet and it doesn't. So it's, it's not, it's a non-issue, even though he has a lot more stuff than me. It's, I don't make a thing of it and he's content with it. I think if like his stuff was all over the house and it was making a big mess, that would be different. But overall, he is super happy living lighter and has not really not fought me in anything other than the fact that he really loves knickknacks and he has a ton of knickknacks and <laughs> most of them I don't really love. So we kind of rotate them. Well, when I say we, I kind of rotate them in and out. We have a couple out at a time and then I'll put them away and bring out a couple more instead of just having shelves full of these like little tchotchkes and stuff. So <laughs> I'm picturing your husband with like little ceramic, you know, yeah, that's basically <laughs> Well, so he's traveled a lot. We don't really do souvenirs anymore, but before this move towards simplicity, he definitely acquired a lot of souvenirs from traveling. Like in his 20s, he used to buy, like thinking it was like a cool thing, he would buy weapons. He like went to Japan and got a samurai sword and went to China and got throwing stars. And I have to say that that has been the most difficult thing to declutter because I'm like, what do I do with a samurai sword? I can't just like put it in a garbage bag. Like I have no, you can't take it to the Goodwill. The little yeah. things like that. I think I get that question a lot. Like what's been the hardest thing to declutter? And I have to say the random <laughs> international weapons that my husband <laughs> <laughs> collected and never used, but thought they were really cool in his twenties. Oh um, my gosh. That's so funny. I've decluttered now my painting studio. And one of the things I have that actually it does kind of spark a weird joy and I'm not going to get rid of it, but my grandma, decluttered it for me when my grandfather died. My grandfather was a dentist. And so my grandmother goes down in the basement and she says, 
you know, Hunter, like I have a couple of things here. Maybe you can get rid of them, sell them on eBay. And I'm like, okay, well, what is this? She goes down the basement and she comes up with this like metal box and inside the metal box, I have to kind of explain it because my grandfather was a dentist and he was going to dental school like in the 1920s and 30s. And so this was given to him by one of his teachers way back when. But anyway, inside the metal box is actually a child's skull. And it shows the teeth (laughs) that are growing in. Like it's kind of scraped away around around the jaw to show the teeth that are growing in. And I was like, holy (laughs) moly, grandma. I'm I'm sorry. I feel like I shouldn't be laughing. I don't know what else to do. It's so weird, right? Like, (laughs) and I was like, grandma, like I can't sell human remains (laughs) of (laughs) you. So I, you know, your house. so I have it in my painting studio and I draw from it. I've had students draw from it and things like that. And I've drawn from it and painted from it. So it, it has kind of a, its own home. It's really interesting object. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a strange thing. <laughs> yeah, and your girls will hopefully find use for it too, right? Yeah. I mean, hopefully they'll, you know, honor the, you know, that life of, I mean, who knows how it was acquired way, way back when. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about strange objects, samurai swords, and like random skulls, <laughs> hard to get yes. rid of when you're simplifying. Exactly. <laughs> so when your kids were little, when you started doing this, or were they older? I mean, because what happened for me with this is that I was like, I started with my kids' stuff, and I started getting rid of all that like stuff that Kim Payne recommends in Simplicity Parenting, all the like annoying toys and all those things. You know, I had a big toy sort of library, and I got rid of tons of toys that were like gifts, you know, even. And I was so worried and she was so happy. She really loved it when I decluttered her space. So how did your children react to this? So my son was nine months old when I started this. So super young. I feel so blessed to have come into this at an early age. So we've never done birthday parties with gifts. We've always just invitation. Your presence is the present. And that's been a really effective way of keeping the presence to a minimum. And some people say that they put that in invitations and they don't have any luck with it. And people still bring, bring presents. I have not found that. I think maybe I like put it in bold or like (laughs) on the invitation. I don't know what it is. We keep our birthday parties really small and simple. So I'll send a message in advance to the parents and just being like, oh, just a reminder, no worries about bringing a gift to spend time together and that sort of thing. So I go like next level to make sure that it's known. And it's important to me because when we have guests in our home and when my kids have birthday parties, I really want them to focus on celebrating life. That's what birthdays are about and celebrating the people around them. And it's hard to focus on that when you've got a table full of wrapped gifts waiting for you. It's Mm -hmm. hard to focus on the people. I think that unknown of those tangible things is really distracting. So we've just, we've never done it. And it feels very freeing to me to not have that constant accumulation of stuff coming in for birthdays. And similarly for the holidays, we just keep things really simple and light. We don't do a ton of packages. So my daughter's almost three and my son is five. And obviously they're still young to really understand the impact of this and how it's different from others. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I love when they go to other kids' houses and they notice the differences because I think it's important to notice the differences. Like my son has a good friend who lives up the road and he went over there and his mom sent me a text and she kind of jokingly was like, oh yeah, your son said, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He loves it. He loves to see other kids' toys and to play with other kids' toys. And he tells me about how it's different. And I think that's just like one more way to illustrate we all live so differently and we can still coexist and be friends and have relationships despite the fact that we make different lifestyle choices. So I don't feel the pressure to have the stuff for my kids to fit in. And I think that one of the blessings of having a professional and an educational background in this and that my PhD is in child development and I really focused on child wellness in my program. And I feel like I have this really good understanding from both this instinctual level as a mom and from a research-based level that I truly know that my kids are better off with less stuff and I never question that for a second. So that I have just such a strong conviction inside of me that this is absolutely 100% the right way for our family that I don't, I don't have that questioning and that wondering if my kids are going to be left out or if they're going to not have enough or if they're going to feel neglected or anything. And I know that a lot of parents do experience that. And I think that's a very real thing, second guessing yourself on those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's part of the message that I hope to be able to share with some of my audience members that, you know, I, I have read all the research and I can tell you that they don't need this stuff. Your gut is telling you, your heart is leading you to tell you this, you know it for sure. And I'll back you up with that and tell you that not only is your heart and your gut telling you this, but that's also what the research is telling us about stuff is that our kids are better off without it and we are better off without it. So what is the problem with lots of stuff, like especially in regards to kids, like what detriment does it do? Well, if you think about it from a more just sort of an experiential level, how you feel about being in spaces with a lot of stuff, when you walk into a cluttered room, it feels a little bit chaotic. It well, It's going to arouse you in a different way than a calm room is going to. And as our children are more sensitive to stimulation than we are. So if you walk into a space and it feels cluttered and overwhelming to you, it probably feels tenfold that to your children because they have a lower threshold for managing those high stimulating environments. And we know that the research shows us that children actually focus better when they're in simpler, calmer spaces. And we know very well that the home is this de facto learning space because children are constantly learning throughout their whole life at home in school, no matter where they are. So it's really important that we make sure that they have this focus space to learn. Mm -hmm. And there's actually research now that shows that kids are more creative and they play better when they have fewer toys, which, Mm -hmm. and I think we're just sort of really starting to see some of this research coming out. We also know, and there hasn't been research to look at the impact of clutter on children specifically, but we do know that the impact of clutter on adults causes stress and anxiety. And I guess if you want to take that sort of next level, then we know that clutter causes stress and anxiety on adults. And we know that stress and anxiety in adults is very much transferred onto our children. So even though that hard evidence and research of the impact directly of stuff on kids isn't there, and I do think that it will be hopefully in the coming years as this area becomes more and more brought about to the forefront, 
but I think that we know that the stress it causes on us is going to be passed on to our kids, whether we like that or not. Mm, yeah. I've really seen that. Like, you know, the research that kids are more creative and play better with fewer toys. I remember thinking like, you know, I've got kind of a, a strong inner skeptic uh, for me on a lot of things. <laughs> I remember, you know, reading some crunchy blog and saying like, oh, have your kid play with like silk scarves and being like, okay, yeah, right. Okay. Like what is going to be happening <laughs> Like, okay, sure. And then I got some silk scarves and we actually had a lot of fun. We dyed our own with Kool-Aid, which was a lot of fun. Anyway, we had this big pile of scarves and the scarves, oh my God, scarves are like the best toy ever. It was just, they had so much fun. Like, you know, we had some other dress up things. Like we actually had these fun hair wigs that my uh, husband's uncle, who's a hairdresser, gave us <laughs> and stuff like that, like kind of silly stuff. But the scarves were the thing that were used constantly because they could just be anything. They could be whatever they wanted. They could be dresses. They could be uh, slings for the baby. They could be part of the fort and all the stuff. Like they could be whatever. They could be a leash for anything. I mean, it was just, it blew my mind, the scarves. Right. Yeah. My daughter right now, she is a mermaid and she uses her scarves. She, we take one scarf and this was totally her invention. And we tie the top two corners around her waist and the bottom two corners around her feet. And that's her mermaid tail. And when she's wearing the mermaid tail, she clearly can't walk because she's a mermaid. So she like, she'll spend half the day like scooting around the house, like a mermaid or swimming as she calls it. But she's just like, she's obsessed with this mermaid tail, which is really just a scarf tied around her ankles. And I just love that it slows her down because she like wears me down all day. So <laughs> the scooting slows her down and she um, is a little bit easier to manage when she's all tied up, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So the research is really pointing to this, right? The clutter causing stress and anxiety in adults. This problem has got to probably be at its peak because we just have such an inundation of so much cheap available goods like constantly. And we're just told all the time that this is how to live better is to get these goods, buy more stuff to make your house look like it does in the magazine or sorry, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but that whole magazine, real simple, drives me bananas because it's like, here's a whole magazine of like, here's some more stuff to buy. And <laughs> Like, I'm not sure they ever tell you to get rid of stuff. It just is like amazing. I think the way it really goes against the grain. So do you find like that you're going against the grain is challenging? I don't know, in your life, like in the, when you meet people, all that stuff. So I do think that some of our move towards simplicity was inspired by our time living in Texas. We live in New York now and we've been here for about 18 months, but we moved towards simplicity when we lived in Dallas, Texas, and everything is truly bigger in Texas. And in Dallas, especially, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff. Everything's big, everything's intense. And I think that really led us away from wanting all that excess that we saw there. We loved living in Texas, don't get me wrong. Like I have near and dear friends and it still feels like home to me. But I think in some ways that sort of propelled that. And like I said, I do have such a strong conviction towards the fact that this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best thing for my family and for my kids and for me that 
I'm really proud of it. Like I can meet somebody and I never, I think it's super obnoxious to meet someone and be like, oh, I'm a minimalist. (laughs) I would never (laughs) say that. I actually strangely don't. And I'll be curious if you do, but I don't ever really tell people what I do when I meet them. Do you tell people? How do you handle that? I mean, if people ask, I tell them what I do. So I don't know. (laughs) If it comes up in conversation, I'm not like secretive about it. (laughs) Well, I'm not secretive either, but I don't, I don't like come out and sort of put these things because I do think they make people uncomfortable. People that don't. Yes. Like the whole idea of intentional leaving, like it's definitely intimidating. And I do think that it's hard for some friends, like I've definitely noticed people will come over to my house and be like, if my son and I like walked out to the driveway once and our friends came to visit and they're like, Oh, don't look at our car. Like we haven't decluttered it. And I'm like, you know, I love you despite your messy car. I promise. (laughs) So I do worry that like people will be afraid to invite us over because of that sort of thing. But, and I tell people all the time, all my audience and on my podcast as well, that our house is definitely not always clean. It is not always tidy, but because we don't have a lot of stuff, it's really easy to clean up. So Mm -hmm. it feels less overwhelming because even when it does, things do get out of control and we get messy, it's really easy to, to bring it back to the baseline. Yeah, I I would say so. I mean, it's interesting. I don't, consider myself a minimalist. Like I, I feel like I have too much stuff to consider myself a minimalist, especially with my painting studio. But it's really interesting because I, I came from like kind of an eclectic, clutter, artsy home. My husband could, he'd be happy living in like a home with tatami mats and like nothing there. But so we we're in this kind of middle place. And, but yeah, it's easier to clean up when you have less. I don't think I got to the place where I had, everything had a place in my life until I was like in my you know, until my kids were maybe the last four or five years. It is really freeing. It just frees up your energy for what's important. That's what I feel. It really does. And I think back to my childhood when I had so many battles with my parents about my messy room. And reflecting back now, I just realized that it wasn't that I was being naughty or that I was like misbehaving and they would like ground me be like, you can't go out of the house until your room is clean. The problem was that I just really did not know how to clean my room. Like I had too much stuff. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have a system. Even if I had a system, I wouldn't have been able to execute it. But it just, it was outside of my bandwidth. And I hear all the time from parents, you know, how do you get kids to clean up after themselves? And we have to make it doable for them. And if it's a lot for me to clean up as an adult, it's going to be a heck of a lot for kids to clean up. So I think having less stuff really starts to enable them to learn how to clean up, how to how to manage their stuff and how to take care of it and really value it. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. 
Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Yeah. And then I love that. How do you get them to clean up after themselves? There's less, like you make it a lot easier. You teach them how to, but also like when your home is simpler and there's not like mounds and mounds of distraction of things that maybe you're not even valuing because there's so much, but like as a kid, but if a child is in a simpler home, I was working with a client and her two-year-old, we filled a, a bottle with vinegar and water and her two-year-old is now having so much fun cleaning mirrors and windows around her house. She's having a blast. And what a great way to learn. You know, you might as well start young, like learning, doing the things that the adults are doing and learning how to, you know, be more independent and have that autonomy and things. Right. And I think our kids learn through imitating us, whether it's washing the windows or cooking dinner or learning how to pay the bills or how we manage our money. They're just constantly learning from being around us and being in our environment. And we need to make sure that we're being the best models that we can be. Yeah. Yeah. So we help kids clean up after themselves by having, kind of getting rid of stuff. How do you recommend people start? Because there's so many different ways of kind of going about this. The life-changing magic of tidying up, that worked really well for me for my clothes. But some people do bit by bit. I don't know. What do you recommend for the listener, you know, who's listening and saying, this sounds great. My apartment, my house is full of clutter. I don't know where to start. What do you recommend? Yeah. So I do what I call the Simple Families Masterclass, which is an eight-week course where the first four weeks we focus on the home. And then the second four weeks, we talk about simplifying parenting. And when we're talking about the home, I have a three-part process that I find to be very valuable when it comes to having a family-centric approach to decluttering. And I focus on making the home an active space. So I wander around my house and I look around and say, what am I actively using? What am I not using? The things that should be out, the things that should be in your closet, in your kitchen, in your drop zone or your mudroom or wherever your coats go, that should all be the stuff that you're using today or this week. If you're not using it actively, then it should be in storage. I think that we run into the biggest problems when our spaces become mixed, active, and storage spaces. That's when we deal with the digging, right? When we have 20 pairs of jeans that don't fit us anymore, but we might grow into them someday and they're in the same drawer with the ones that do fit us. And then we're always digging for the ones that fit us. So by clearing out all the stuff that you're not actively using and a home that is truly active, it's a family space that is full of things that, whether it be toys or clothes or kitchen gadgets, whatever it is, things that are used all the time, you can really free yourself from having all that other stuff around that is just collecting dust and getting in the way of the things you really need. I use that same philosophy in my pantry. I have this story. I didn't actually declutter my pantry for a long time. 
And finally, I had this day after my whole house was decluttered, but my pantry was still a hot mess. And I had this can in my pantry of black soybeans. I accidentally bought it one day when I needed black beans. And for like two years, I picked up this can of black soybeans and I would say, oh, black soybeans, not today. And I'd put it back down. And finally, I picked it up one day and I was like, not today, not ever. Like, I am never going to use these black soybeans. And they're sort of sucking the life out of me by having, (laughs) by looking at it a couple times a week and never using them. And I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm getting rid of all the black soybeans in my life, the things that I might use someday, but I'm probably not going to use. And I just end up picking up, looking at and saving it for later when later just really isn't even ever coming. Um, So that really sorting through and figuring out what's actively used and what needs to go in storage or what needs to go in what I call a share the love box. And I don't like to think about a donation box as much as I do call it, I like to call it a share the love box because I really like to think about when we're donating things, when we're getting rid of things, when we're moving things out of our house, that those things are going to be used and loved and needed by somebody else. We're sharing the love. Even though you might still love it, you're not using it and somebody else could be using it. And if this is like your entire child's wardrobe from their first five years, because it has sentimental value and you can't handle getting rid of it. Like that's what I mean. Those clothes, like that 12, the 12 bins in your basement of your kids' childhood clothing, those clothes are much better off on another child's body than they are in your basement. And coming to this conclusion that you're not throwing it away by donating, you're actually sharing the love and you're giving to someone else. Mm, I like that. I'm going to talk to my daughter about that. (laughs) Some of the stuff in our closet right now. Right. Uh, The toys that have have all been put aside for the briar horses. I love that if you're not using it actively. So another question that arises for me is this, does this take a lot of effort, a lot of work up front? Like for somebody who wants to kind of dive into this and they're, they're still in kind of in clutter, but does it take a lot of work to maintain or to get through the sort of first bit of it? Well, it took a lot of work up front, but it was addictive. So I wanted to do it and it was something I was highly motivated to do. So I was doing it like on Saturday nights and like anytime I got a free bit of time because it felt so good to me and it was such a wonderful change for our family. So it did take a lot of time, but it was well spent time. I think the biggest mistake that I made in the beginning was I was doing a stellar job of decluttering, but I didn't realize. And now looking back, I'm just kind of like, doh, like how did I not realize this? But in order to stay decluttered, you actually have to change the way that you're buying everything. So I got it with the clothes. Like I got rid of the clothes and realized I have to buy differently, but it took a lot longer for me to realize I had to change the way I was buying everything in order to really stay simplified. Mm. So for instance, how would you change the way you buy food? What do you mean by that? So food, for example, is I, and I know a lot of people like to buy in bulk and in advance, but I only buy what I need for the week. So our pantry actually really doesn't have a lot of stuff in it. It just has the stuff that I need for the week. It has a few staples of things like chicken broth and canned tomatoes and things I use all the time. But for the most part, I don't just keep a lot of stuff on hand just in case I might need it um, because I do go to the grocery store every week. So I found that just buying what I need is more than enough. And we never go without using that. I think one of the other areas that I found really hard was I was really sucked into this hole of buying educational toys for my kids, like Mm -hmm. really good quality, beautiful wooden puzzles and like nice stuff that 
was just turning into clutter. And I had to come to grips with the fact that even if it's nice stuff, it might not be nice stuff that I need and not, not exactly stuff that's useful or valuable to our family. So getting away from that habit of buying even educational toys for my kids, if it wasn't necessarily a great fit, something that my kids can grow into and use for a long period of time in different ways. Mm, this goes to buying itself, right? Like, so you probably had to face the sort of whole thing of buying it itself and like how we get this sort of hit of dopamine from buying and gathering things and kind of had to practice probably, I imagine, a lot of restraint when it came to buying, you know, when you're in a, in a habit of being more actively consuming things, right? Yeah. I actually gave up Amazon for six months, like cold turkey gave it up. And that was really eye-opening for me because I was using Amazon to buy things really quickly. And when I lived in Dallas, the delivery was especially fast there. I would order something at like 10 o'clock at night and it would be on my doorstep the next morning when I woke up and it was too easy. And I found that I needed to take a break from that in order to really check myself on what I actually needed. And that break helped me to be more intentional about the way I was online shopping for sure. I am back to using Amazon now. I'm using it differently. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that could be helpful. The listener you might know, remember I decided to like not buy any clothes or anything for a year last year and the beginning of the year and I didn't go for a whole year is fine. I'm okay with that. I'm kind of a questioner and I realized it was really valuable to me to just have this period of time where I didn't buy anything to kind of notice what was driving my urge to buy, right? And I thought I wasn't like a big consumer, but I really was this feeling of like, you know, it was interesting to kind of really reflect honestly and see that, oh, I wasn't like why I was buying. It's really interesting. Right. And I think that we all like buying and getting stuff does feel exciting and it gives everybody that spike of dopamine. And if we're going through a period where we're feeling kind of low or kind of depressed and those neurotransmitters, whether it be dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is, when when those are running low, we're going to be more susceptible to getting those hits, which is why we're going to be more susceptible to buying stuff and to falling into those bad habits. So I think, and learning about neurotransmitters was really eye-opening to me too, and realizing that my excitement around buying and around consuming things was, wasn't just driven by habit, but it was also driven by some chemicals in my brain that were lighting up when I was getting these things. And I was, when the UPS truck was driving down the driveway and learning about those tendencies, I think really helped me to get them under control and to check myself. Like you said, you know, checking myself and saying like, am I buying this because I need it? Or am I buying this because it's exciting and it sort of sparks some things in my brain? Yeah. Wow. So I love talking to you about this stuff. And obviously I come from a similar place and I think it's really, really valuable. And I can say from the perspective, and we didn't even talk about screens or anything like that, but I can say from the perspective of a parent with older children, you know, my girls have grown up with this, you know, a moderate level of simplicity, right? And some limited choices and limited screen time. Now they're about to turn 12 and nine and they are so creative. They're so imaginative and they spend a lot of time outside. They know how to create making stuff. I think that's a real direct result of them having had, you know, this open space for imagination and, you know, in this sort of open palette in their life that was simplified when they're younger. 
Right. And the buying stuff is in many ways as a parent driven by this feeling like we need to entertain our children, which is tricky spiral because once we start entertaining our kids, the more entertainment they demand from us. So we spend a lot of time buying things to make them happy and to try to gift them happiness and to gift them this feeling of contentment, whether it be toys or clothes or whatever it is. And when we can let go of that, let go of that need to entertain our kids and realize that that's not our responsibility it frees us up, not just from the buying, but from this pressure that we put on ourselves to be the constant entertainer and the constant occupier of our children. Yeah. Amen. It's good to be bored. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bring on the boredom. It can be painful in the early stages, but there is definitely magic on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So Danae, it's been fabulous talking to you. I'm sure we'll probably have to come on and talk to you again and tell people where they can find you. Danae does a wonderful podcast called Simple Families Podcast, and you can find me on there and all kinds of other conversations. So uh, tell people where you can find more about you. Yeah. So I'm at simplefamilies.com and you can join the email list. That's the best way to stay in touch. You get updates on the blog and the community and what's going on on the podcast. And I do have a course that's specifically for people getting started on down this path called the masterclass. And that's opening up again in April. And I have a book coming out in June called Simple Happy Parenting, which I'm super excited about. It's my first book. And I guess I share my more daily stuff, kind of like regular life trials and tribulations of just being a normal human mother on Instagram. So that's another simple families on Instagram. That's another place to find me too. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, but also like daring and being an inspiration for people. We need models of how to kind of live in this alternate way to the consumer culture and how to do this and support for choices that may seem to go against the grain. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing and putting out there and supporting this more conscious living. It's awesome. Thanks. So oh, well, thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Hunter. So much for listening to this episode. I hope it is inspiring you to do some spring cleaning if you're in the northern hemisphere. In the southern hemisphere, it's okay to do some fall cleaning. I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing some decluttering. It's inspired me. I'm starting to look into my pantry. I found this can of like canned mangosteen and mangosteen is like this kind of weird white tropical fruit. Not weird. I mean, cool, like great if you live in the tropics shout out to eating mangosteen, but it's just something that I have had in my pantry for like two years. And so I'm going to pass on the mangosteen. If you are interested in decluttering in actually kind of loving what you wear when you go out and having colors that enhance you and make all the colors you wear, make you look good, learning how to, how to dress for your proportions and find out your personal style. Join me in Your Color Guru's uh, Colorful Capsule Wardrobe course. I'm going to be taking it as a student. So you can join me if you'd like with that. And you can find out more about that at mindfulmamamentor.com slash color. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week. You can find out, you know, the background of what happens in my life on Instagram. And we've been having some things go up on Pinterest if you're a Pinterest person. 
Anyway, I love connecting with you. Any thoughts, any those reviews, oh my gosh, they make me feel amazing and I love those and they make help other people find the Mindful Mama tribe. And, you know, we want to nurture a more conscious, connected relationships for everybody. So it's a really great thing to do to share it and help other people find out about it and leave reviews and all that stuff. So I'm wishing you a beautiful week. I hope you have sunshine in your life. I hope you have lots of super snuggly hugs with your kids, even if they're like 20 years old. You know, we can have super snuggly hugs with our kids. And especially if they're like snuggly little ones. And I'm going to give them my medium-sized ones some snuggly little hugs and they still snuggle. Thank goodness. <laughs> so yeah, I wish all that for you this week. Thanks so much for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I will be back at you next week. Okay, have a great one. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to be having a more grounded more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable cooperative relationships with my kids and I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this and I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training mindfulness for moms the superpower you need and it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.